Amen. Thank you, Judy. Let's look tonight at a single verse in the book of Acts, chapter 20, verse 32, as we talk about God's miracle grow, His grace. I'll ask you to stand in God's honor when you come to that text. Acts 20, 32. Now I commit you to God and to the word of His grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your incredible, awesome grace. For for without your grace, Lord, we would be in deep trouble. We would be without hope. Father, we would be without anything of value. For it all flows from your mighty grace. Given to us who are unworthy. And you alone are worthy. And have chosen to just shower us and blanket us with your love and your mercy. Your grace. Pray this night as we look at your word. That you will remind us of that awesome grace. And. Father, that we'll just remember that everything flows from that grace. All the good we have, the source of it is right at you. (laughs) You are the one that gives the blessings. We love you and we need you. In your name we pray. Amen. As you look in Acts chapter 20, um, starting at verse 13... I have a caption here. It says, Paul's farewell to the Ephesian elders. This was a gathering of Paul and the church leaders at Ephesus. And they had grown extremely close. Because they had learned to love Jesus together. And they had learned to be ministers of his grace together. They had served together, they had hurt together, they had rejoiced together, they had been together and been blessed. And now it came time for Paul to leave. And it was a very painful time for Paul and for all of them to have to part ways. One good thing about being a Christian, which is so true and such a blessing, is for us the ultimate is never goodbye, but it's till we meet again. Because praise be to God, we will meet again. There is a a guarantee there, a promise of His grace. I just want you to see uh, down in verse 36 how much they meant to one another. Uh, when he had said this, he finished his words to his his be- uh, beloved friends in Ephesus. When he had said this, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. (laughs) This wasn't about, you know, you come to church and you you walk out the door and you leave and there wasn't a, a relationship or a connection. These people rubbed hearts together. These people had had grown to have a a passion and a compassion for God and for people. And and now it was time to part ways. Now it was time to say goodbye. And it it was an emotional moment. And, you know, as I come through his instruction here to the church at Ephesus, 
I found myself looking clearly there at verse 32. He, he gives a lot of instruction on, you know, look out for false teachers and, and be faithful and, and, and be good shepherds and, and, you know, follow the Holy Spirit. He comes to verse 32 and he has that wonderful reminder here. He says, now I commit you to God. He says, I love you and I wish I could, you know, protect you and, and promise you all these blessings and, and pro- promise you, all, you know, this big list. But I can't. He says, but here's what I can do. I can commit you to God and the word of his grace. You see, what he realized is what ultimately there is when everything else is peeled away is his grace. And as Paul speaks to those he cares about, he says, guys, I'm leaving you in God's hands and to the word of his grace. And then he speaks of this grace. uh, As tonight, I'll look at the power... The significance of grace in our lives. First, he says of this word of his grace, it's a grace which can build you up. So actually, this is actually the second one in the outline. Sanctification occurs through grace. What builds us up or what what allows us to, to, to move along on this journey called life and to walk with God and, and, and to be able to hear His voice and to be aware of His presence and to follow His promptings and, and to be full of that grace that, that He offers that, that is so key. And, and, and that's what He says to these people that He's given rid of. He says, I want you guys to always walk close to God, hand in hand with the Spirit of God, to be aware of His grace. I commend you to Him because He is the one who can ultimately keep you. You see, it is His grace that vibrates, pulsates through us, that um, there is something that uh, others see, that others long for, and that's Jesus. And and that's the power of His grace that's at work in us. There's just such a need for that. You know, so often, and I don't know, I've said this many times, but it's so true. Sadly enough, churches, God's people, are known for what they're against instead of who they're for. And... We do need to take a stand. I realize that against things that are destructive and sin is destructive. But people need to know that it's more than the bad things they do that we care about. They need to know that we care that God loves them and that he loves us. And at some point, he opened our hearts and eyes to that point. And it was like, you know, the aha moment of, oh, wow. And, and, and then His love and His grace came flowing in. And that made the difference in our lives. That built us up. Um, you know, His grace is not just to, to elevate us and to make us look so powerful and wonderful. It's so that He can be adored. He can be worshipped. And He can be viewed. Uh, years ago on the Merv Griffin Show. Some of you may remember that, the Merv Griffin Show. They had this bodybuilder on the show. And I've used this example before. But, you know, I, I think it just uh, says it so well. This bodybuilder came out there, you know, muscular. And uh, Merv just asked him, he said, what, what are those muscles for? And he goes, he said, but what are those muscles for? But what are the muscles for? And the guy didn't know what to say. All he could do was pose. He had no real answer to, what are those muscles for? 
And, and the truth of the matter is, God's grace is not just so that we have this pious pose. Others can say, oh, look at Todd. He is such a good church person. That is not what it's about. It's not about a pious pose. <laughs> but it's so that we can be useful for God. That His kingdom can be seen and His, and his kingdom can be advanced through weak vessels like us who are filled with the grace of His glory. The power of God in Jesus Christ that, that's fully at work and, and, and that's making a difference um, that He works in that way. And not only is it for that building up, for that sanctification, it's for an inheritance. Uh, Bible scholars, y'all, I bet I have somebody here that quote Ephesians 2, 8. I haven't even... What was that, Jerry? For it is by grace you've been saved. Not a gift of God. Then it goes on, not by work, so that anyone can boast about it. Anyone can brag about it. It is by grace. Something that we don't deserve, but something that we desperately need. Grace. That's, that's where salvation comes from. And he, he says here in verse 20, 32, um, in regard to that, he says, uh, and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. That inheritance, it is not something you earn. It is something you receive because you're in the family. The inheritance is what we receive because Jesus Christ adopts us into his family at the moment of salvation. At the moment we hear the voice of God speak to us and say, you need a savior. Bow your heart. Turn from your sin. Receive my forgiveness. And he enters in and we become part of the family of God. Like the song says, and we receive a divine inheritance. Salvation. It's by grace. Uh, turn with me to Revelation 21, uh, right at the end of the Bible, and uh, gives us a beautiful picture of this inheritance that comes through grace. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. <laughs> For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. Coming down out of heaven from God. Prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying. Now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them. And be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. <laughs> then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I'll give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. <laughs> he who overcomes will inherit all this and I will be his God. And he will be my son. And that's the transaction. 
That is the inheritance. And that comes from grace. You see, there is a day where there is a new heaven. There's a new earth that awaits. There is a day where every tear will be wiped away. There is a day when things will be new. And there is a day where we will be clear in the presence of God. And the old order will pass away. And things will be as they are meant to be. That is the inheritance that awaits all of us. And it does not come through a performance-based agenda. It comes by grace. It comes not by what I do. It comes by what Christ has done at Calvary. What He has accomplished on the cross. Salvation is by grace. It's not something we can brag about. It, it, it's, you know, we don't have a resume that just, well, look at him. Boy, is he something else. No, it doesn't work like that. It's Calvary. It's grace. If not for grace, we would all be without hope. But praise be to God, he has clearly poured out his grace. Now, turn with me to, uh, I'll move to uh, 2 Timothy 2.1. I know I have Romans 12.6 on here, which talks about the gifts we receive have been poured out to us by his grace that we're able to serve, but I think tonight I'm going to look at 2 Timothy 2, 1 as uh, Paul is talking to his uh, Timothy, who he's discipling. and He calls him a son in the faith here. Chapter 2, verse 1, he says, You then, my son, he obviously thought of Timothy as his son. <laughs> he says to him, Be strong in the grace of that is in Christ Jesus. Now, but before that, he, he spends a lot of time uh, giving instructions on what it means to be a good minister in the faith. He spends a, a lot of time uh, talking about uh, how to live and, and how, how to serve God. And then he comes here to this verse and he, he just sums it up in, in this sentence. He, he says, Timothy, my son, he says passionately, be strong. In the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Timothy, think about the power of God that is unleashed, that is unconditional to you and to me. And that's what our message is to be, Timothy. It never stray away from that. Always go to the cross. Always go to the fact of His grace. Always go to the fact that God doesn't wish to leave anybody out or anyone to perish, but that all come to repentance and know the power of God. You see, so often we try to be somebody, but the truth of the matter is, we are somebody because of Jesus. He has entered our lives and He has given us a sense of purpose and a sense of identity and a sense of meaning. And, and what we need is not something new. What we need is to remember who we are and whose we are and to let His power flow out of us that already lives in us. Um, in the 1970s, uh, John Hunter was working with a mission organization in Europe and he spoke at a conference in England. Um, at the time, it was near... England's one of the first nuclear power plants there. And he spoke with the assistant director of the plant. He was interested in the mechanics of the technology of nuclear power. So he asked him, how do you produce power? And the administrator said to him, we don't produce power. <laughs> and so Dr. Hunter said, uh, okay, well, what do you mean by that? And he said, we don't produce power. We just release the power that is already there. 
It's not about, you know, so often I hear believers say, I just need to be a better Christian. And I know what we're getting at, but let's think about that a little bit. It's more than the best Christian I can be. What I need is something bigger than me. I need the power of Jesus that's in me, set free to flow out of me. I don't need to be thinking about, am I a good Christian or am I a bad Christian? I need to be set free from all that so Jesus can just live in me. Um, you know, years ago, and I've used this so many times, and it was actually one of Cindy's professors. I didn't hear it in the class, but uh, she had told me in the class, he said, you know, the goal is um, not self-sacrifice. You know, it's, it's not how much I sacrifice for God. The goal is self-forgetfulness. To be free from worrying about me and be able to serve God. That's, that's the heart. That's the goal. That's where grace kicks in so that there's a power within us that's able to flow through us. So that we're free from us. So that we don't get in the way of that life that makes a difference of, of trusting in him day by day and walking with him day by day. Listen to Second Peter 3.18. Uh, Peter says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. The truth is He provides the sufficiency. Our hope of heaven, our hope of a right connection with the living God is grace. It's grace. Here's what Paul said at 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. I am what I am, right? And His grace to me was not without effect. Now I worked harder than all of them, all those other disciples. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Now, as you read about Paul, he wasn't trying to elevate himself. Matter of fact, you remember what he said? He said, I'm the chief of all sinners. You know, if you can get a badge for being the worst of the worst... I've got the resume. He dealt with that. He dealt with some of his past sins and, and not being connected to Christ. And, and he dealt with, with that. But he had a firm grasp of forgiveness as well. Listen to Romans 5.17. He says, For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace... And of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Hey, he talks about the transgression of the one, the transgression of Adam. talks about the fallen and how we all have that sinful nature that, that's in humanity that's passed down. But he said, praise be to God, there is the one who through him we receive the abundance of grace that's poured out to us. And it's a gift not what we do, not what we earn. It's a gift, a gift of righteousness which reigns in us through the one which is Jesus Christ. You see, Paul, when it came right down to it, and he began thinking about his sin. He began thinking about what he did in the past. And he knew God was using him. He knew God was working with him. But he didn't go to his resume of what he had accomplished. He went to the cross. That's where he ran. He said, God, where I ultimately must go is to you. 
as he said in Romans 7, in my flesh, in me, no good thing dwells. But what there is, is Jesus. What there is, is grace. What there is, is, is his forgiveness. That's where he ran. Romans 8, 2. For the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. In order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who live not according to the sinful nature, but to the spirit. You see, it's, it's the spirit of God that sets that grace loose. And through us that sets us free from the law of sin and death. It, it's that grace. Ultimate. I love John 1 verse 16. From the fullness of his grace. We have all received one blessing after another. And I tell you the NIV has updated their translation. I think they've changed that some. But I'm not changing. I'm going to keep the old 1984 there. I just like that. From the fullness of his grace. The fullness of it. Not just a little of it. Not in the installment plan. Not once I pay a little bit in my good works and then he releases some. The fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after. They just keep coming, guys. <laughs> and, and they'll come until glory. Until the veil's removed and we're in his presence. And we shall be like him for we shall be as he is. Right? The grace. The grace. Uh, I close with this example. You guys have probably heard it before. It's actually from... Uh, Charles Stanley, he, he talked about when he was in seminary, he had this one professor. They showed up for, it was the final. And they sat down and they looked at this test and the test was impossible. Man, he thought, my goose is cooked. I'm going to fail sooner. And as he goes down through the test, you know, he's, oh. before they got started, you know, the professor said to him, one thing, guys, be sure and read all the way through the test before you take the test. Do not take the test until you read through to the end. I want you to carefully look at it. Well, you know, guys are going, oh. But then you got to the end of the test, and on the last page, there was a snow. You have a choice. You can complete the exam as given or sign your name at the bottom and in doing, receive an A for this assignment. <laughs> he, he read that. He's like, oh, wow, really? He thought about that. Signed it, turned it in, walked out, couldn't believe it. So it took him three days to get over it. How could that be, man? That was the hardest test I've ever seen. So he came back and he talked to the professor about it. <laughs> and here are some of the reactions the professor said that he got over the years. He'd been doing this for years. He said, there are always some students who did not follow instructions. They began taking the exam, you know, sweating all over the place, pouring out, and, and, and just would get up and walk away, just, you know, shaking their heads like, I can't pass this test, and just leave. He said, then he had some that would come there, read the first two pages, get so angry, they'd get off and stomp out the door like, this isn't fair, and leave and not complete the test. He said, there was this one guy, though. He said, this guy, he read all the way to the end, and he wanted to get a grade he deserved. So he sat there and he took that test. And in his glorious wisdom got a C plus. But he could have had an A. All he had to do was follow the instructions. All he had to do was to sign his name at the bottom. And get the grade in full. I'm afraid too often that's how... People are. 
Christ comes and he says, it's by grace. (laughs) Come experience my grace. Be totally forgiven, totally received into the family of God. And I'll be your heavenly father and I'll love you and I'll walk with you. And and there's this tense, I don't know, you know, this might be too hard to go to church and to live for Jesus and give this up and to give that up. And then other people just get angry. It can't be that easy. It just can't be that easy. And then there are other people, I'll show you, God, I want to do it myself. It just doesn't work that way. And what's so sad about it is, what's so incomplete about it is, is God just simply says, I've done the work. I just want you to receive a gift. I just want you to enjoy my forgiveness. And you know, it says in Hebrews 9.27, for it's appointed men to die. To die once and then to face the judgment. I'm not going to be judged for you. I'm going to be judged for me. And ultimately, there's only one way out. It's called a book. Book of life. And my name's written in there. But it comes through Christ. That's all. So as we started this thing, as Paul talked to his dear friends at Ephesus as he headed out, it's no different for us. The message still is, don't forget about grace. It is the grace of sanctification that gives us spiritual muscles to serve Him for the kingdom of God. It is the grace that gives us an inheritance that awaits us through Christ Jesus that is forever and that is as it's meant to be, guys. And it is the grace that strengthens us day to day to face whatever comes our way. And ultimately, it is the gift of God in Christ Jesus that provides it all. It's grace. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we thank You for that grace, God. Why do we fight you? Why do we try to outwit you? Why do we not rest in you? Oh God, forgive me. Forgive each of us here, Lord. Father, I think one of, obviously, the main reasons you still have us around, there are other people who do not understand that you just simply want them to know you and love you and to get a taste of grace. Father, what does that mean for each of us? Awaken us, Father, to where we can be messengers of grace. May we never forget that, Lord. May we never forget that. I, I thank you for this time. We, Father, obviously come to worship you tonight, whether it's to come to this altar and pray or to worship right where we are, where we sit or stand, or even if it's to come to the front for a reason to pray or to to share. We just want to be obedient to you. May your grace flow. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.